Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizers Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking a 12-week health course BioOptimizers offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, BioOptimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity. How to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings. How to select the most powerful supplements for you. How to stay lean and trim without sacrifice. The simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin. And much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to encourage you to achieve all of your dreams, regardless of what others have said. I'll also be interviewing author Mark Orsano, who's going to review his latest book, A Surgeon's Story. This book illustrates one of the top pediatric heart surgeons in all the world, Dr. Christine Gulasarian. You'll hear how she transforms the lives of her patients and gives them a future. You'll also be inspired to shatter your own glass ceiling and to accomplish all of your dreams. For more information about Mark Orsano, Dr. Gulasarian, or to purchase this book, A Surgeon's Story, please visit surgeonstory.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. There was a boy in the sixth grade whose teacher gave the class an assignment. Write down what you want to be when you grow up. This young boy had a severe stuttering problem at the time, but he wrote he wanted to be on TV. Upon collecting the assignments, the boy's teacher thought his dream was absurd, especially for a boy who didn't talk like everybody else. The teacher asked the boy if he knew anybody on TV. The boy said no. The woman told him to stop being a smart aleck and to write down something more realistic. The boy went home that night and his father told him to keep his paper and read it every morning and every night. Years later, that boy's stuttering problem went away and now Steve Harvey is on TV seven days a week. Your dreams can come true regardless of what other people say. Your dreams can come true. When we're children, we often fantasize or tell everybody what we want to be when we grow up. And half the time, we don't really have a full understanding of what that vocation really is, but it's something in our heart that we like to be or do. As we grow older, life situations happen and we eventually find our path. But what about those times when we want to make a change in our life or we have a really strong dream to do something that's different than the norm? 
When we tell other people about this dream, they may be well-meaning, but unfortunately, they can talk us out of becoming what we want to become. And when that happens, we often settle for mediocrity, and unfortunately, we never accomplish that goal. I have a great guest today, Mark Oristano, who's going to be talking about one such person, Dr. Christine Gulasarian. She shattered that glass ceiling for herself and became one of the top pediatric heart surgeons in all the world, which is predominantly a male vocation. This is going to be a great inspiration and motivation for you to really listen to this interview because it's going to inspire you to follow through on your dreams, regardless of what people have said about you, that you can't do something, that you don't have the ability to do something, that you don't know the right people, that you don't have enough money or education. All that is not true if that's really what's in your heart. When you surround yourself with those individuals who will encourage you, who will nurture you, who will support you in everything you do, that is when you get closer and closer to your dream. As you strive to accomplish your goals, of course, there are going to be times when you're very distracted or very discouraged because it's not working out the way that you thought it would. In the story that we heard with Steve Harvey, he wrote his dream down and all throughout his career and even today, he looks at that piece of paper because it keeps him focused. Whatever you put inside of your mind, in other words, whatever you think about, you move closer and closer towards that. When you can write something for yourself that really defines what that dream is or really helps you stay focused, you can always draw on that or always review that every time you become discouraged. And when things are going really well, it really motivates you to move even closer and closer to your dream. Regardless of what other people have said, your dream is simply one step away. And then as you continually build that momentum, you get closer and closer to your dream. And so pretty soon you look back and think, wow, I can't believe I accomplished this amazing dream I had in my heart. Be encouraged today, my friend. Regardless of what other people have said, your dream is in your heart for a reason. Surround yourself with those individuals who are going to encourage you. And just like the interview you're going to hear today with Dr. Golasarian, you too can accomplish all of your dreams. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Mark Orsano, author of the new book, Surgeon Story, spent 30 years as a sportscaster in Dallas, Texas. He was a broadcaster for the Dallas Cowboys and Houston Oilers, and he worked with noted broadcasters such as Vern Lundquist and Oprah Winfrey. In 1997, Mark began volunteering at Children's Medical Center in Dallas, where he met one of America's top pediatric heart surgeons, Dr. Christine Gulasarian. And that's where this story begins. Welcome to my show, Mark. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, it's such a pleasure to have you on my show. I'm looking forward to hearing about this amazing woman and how she's transformed the lives of so many people. To, it, it, literally, when you say transform, you know, you talk about somebody who's in a life and death position, Dr. G, that's exactly where she is. She saves kids' lives, and it's amazing. Wow, and we're definitely going to honor her amazing work as well. So now you were in, in, as a sports broadcaster, and then all of a sudden you found yourself volunteering at Children's Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. How did you make that transition? Well, I, you know, I, I was working in Dallas, where I still live, and I was very successful. I was part of a very successful, uh, almost nationally famous morning radio show. And I, it's awesome. the, old, the old thing about, you know, I wanted to give something back. Uh-huh. And so I looked around at different uh, different uh, organizations and thought, you know, what do I want to give to? And I'd always been impressed with Children's Medical Center in Dallas. And uh-huh. I thought, well, okay, what do I want to give? Well, you can give money, but that's not, you know, you can always get more money. It's not that's not that big a deal. The one sure. thing the one thing you can give that you never get back again is your time. Mm. And so I decided I wanted to volunteer at Children's and I called them up and I said, do you guys take volunteers? And they said, yes, we do come down and fill out an application. 
And so I filled out the application and I fortunately passed my background check. You never know. <laughs> yeah. You never, you never know what they might find. You never know. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I work in the, um, the day surgery recovery room if you're a non-medical person. If you're a medical person, I work in the post-anesthesia care unit. It's the same thing. Sure. And uh, I just help the nurses uh, with whatever they need, moving patients around and getting supplies and things. And uh, the nurses are the most wonderful, amazing caring people I have ever been around. I would do anything for them. And as you said, I've been there 20 years. That is, that's phenomenal. And to work in the pediatric section, I mean, you know, we all have a soft spot or most people have a soft spot for children, but to see them in such critical care, oh my gosh. I mean, you definitely have to have such a, a I guess a strong boundary for that because most of us would be on the floor crying well, to see these poor children struggling. Yeah, and one of the things that, that I learned that you have to develop is you have to develop a little bit of a wall because mm-hmm. every every kid that I walk by, if I hear him crying, I want to go in and try to help. Yeah. But you have to stop and realize, oh, no, wait, there's a professional in there who knows a lot more than I do who's already <laughs> helping. So I'll just keep sure. on walking. I'll keep on walking down the road. But uh, you you do get I mean, you get very involved with the kids and you, you look at them and, and you just you fall in love with them and you just want to help them get better. And it's as I, as I said, the staff, the nurses, the doctors, the staff people just they're all so amazing and so caring. And it's just it's an inspiring place to be. Yes, it definitely is. Let's switch over to talk, to, uh, talk about Dr. Golisarians, and you call her Dr. G. Dr. G. Give us a little bit of her background, because I love how, how where she was when she first started university to who she is today. So give us a little bit of her backstory. Well, Dr. G was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. She's a diehard Red Sox fan, and that'll come up, <laughs> that'll come up a little bit later. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she first attended an all-girls school in Boston called the Windsor School, which was like kind of elementary and high school. So she had, for a long period of her life, a situation where not only could women do everything, women had to do everything. Sure. The faculty was all women. The student body was all women. The women edited the school paper. Women played lacrosse. It's a, so that's where she got her, her, her guiding belief that, hey, so I'm a woman. Big deal. I can do what anybody can do. Sure. Um, she went to Harvard. And her, uh, it's not called a major at Harvard. It's called a, uh, uh, what's it? There's a word for it. I can't remember now. Concentration. You don't call it. Okay. Nobody majors at Harvard. Um, and her concentration was Greek classics. She could okay. literally read, to, she could read the Odyssey to you in Greek. Oh my gosh. Okay? That is amazing. I mean, why? <laughs> what's the point? I have no idea. And in fact, her father, her father told her when she said, I'm majoring in Greek, her father said, what are you going to do with a Greek major? Nobody's going to, you're not going to get a job with that. Um, but she turned that into, she had from, from a very young age, she'd been fascinated by medicine and by the human body. In fact, when she was in high school, she would go to the library and check out books on autopsies and she'd get in trouble because she'd bring these books into school that had these horrible autopsy photos of <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is hysterical. That's, that's that's kind of her sense of humor too, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she went to uh, Boston University Medical School after Harvard, and as every medical student does, she went through rotations of uh, many many different uh, specialties. She said the only one she really didn't like going through was her psychiatry rotation because she thought the doctors were crazier than the patients were. <laughs> Coming from as, as a psychotherapist, yes, I can understand that. Yes, I should appreciate that. Um, and she settled on uh, on not just heart surgery, but pediatric heart, sur- heart, heart mm. surgery, which is generally considered the most difficult specialty there is. Oh, my gosh, yes. Because you're operating on hearts. I mean, imagine a walnut. You've got a walnut in your hand, right? That's the size mm. of a newborn baby's heart. Oh my gosh. And those wow. those little lines on the walnut that you have? 
That's the mm-hmm. si- that's the size of the coronary arteries. Oh my lord! She, wow, I mean that's that's a great visual there for us because many of us obviously yes, didn't realize that she can cut those arteries, those little teeny arteries, and then sew them back together. Mm. You know, I can't wow. sew a button on a shirt, so I'm I'm, a, I know. <laughs> I'm the same way. So you were so you were shadowing her, and obviously you were blown away by how she and her and her colleagues just continually transformed the lives of so many people. Can you give us some of the stories? Because I really want my listeners to hear how all of these. All these pediatric heart surgeons, but specifically Dr. G, give us some examples of some of the stories that you got to experience or some of the lives you saw that were changed. Okay, well, let me tell you just briefly, I, I, I got to do this by just, I first I got to know her just by seeing her around the hospital and I heard her give mm-hmm. a couple of lectures. And when I asked her if she wanted to do a book, she said, about what? And I said, about you. And she said, <laughs> nobody wants to read about me. And I said, everybody wants to read about oh you. Gosh, they just yes. don't know it yet. So she's very, she didn't want to write it in the first person. She didn't want it. To, she's, she has no ego. I mean, it's just, it's mm. incredible. She said, that's no, amazing, I, yeah. so, you know, you've got to write it. And I said, fine, I'll write it. Um, the stories, the most amazing one to me still is uh, 2007, a patient came into the hospital, 13-year-old named Andrew Madden, with something called idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy, which meant that his heart muscle was getting very thick and very, mm-hmm. very brittle and not pumping. Well, he needed a heart transplant. He came in September of 2007. The first time Dr. G met him, she she found out they found out instantly that they were both huge Boston Red Sox fans. So they bonded immediately. Yes, of course. The uh, Andrew's heart transplant was going to be the 100th heart transplant in children's history. So it got some press coverage when they wheeled Andrew into the OR. He was wearing a Red Sox baseball cap and Dr. G had on a Red Sox operating room cap. And somebody <laughs> got a picture of this, and the, and the reporters all saw it and said, what's the deal with the Red Sox? This is Texas. You should be rooting for the Rangers. So they told, him, they told him a story about the Red Sox doctor and patient. She told Andrew before the surgery, if you come through this okay, maybe we can go to Fenway Park and see a game because my family has season tickets. She said, who knows? Maybe we can even see a World <laughs> Series game. Wow. Now, in September, you don't know who's playing in the World Series. Sure. Right? It's not till October. The long story short is Andrew comes through his surgery with flying colors. A woman in Dallas sees a, a TV story about Andrew's surgery and says, oh, I have to call my sister in Boston. She'll want to hear about this. She calls her sister in Boston, tells her about the Red Sox doctor and the Red Sox patient. Her sister says, oh, this is great. I have to tell my husband about this. Her husband's name is Larry Lucchino, and he's the president of the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is awesome. <laughs> so what happened is, in the long run, three weeks after his heart transplant, the Red Sox sent a medical jet to Dallas to pick up Andrew, his mother, and Dr. G. They, wow. flew, they flew him to Boston. They put him in a suite in Fenway Park and loaded Andrew mm. down with all kinds of Red Sox gear. And then for the icing on top of the cake, before the game, they said, hey, Andrew, three weeks out of your heart transplant, why don't you come down on the field and throw out the first pitch before game two of the 2007 Oh, my season? gosh. How amazing. How, how, can, wow. how can you not write a book about a woman like that? Right? <laughs> exactly. Wow, that's 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 a beautiful, amazing story. I was reading some of the reviews of this as well, and some of the people who were who experienced obviously um, her her operating skills were talking about how do you even thank someone who has saved the life of your child? I mean, that's that's such a and obviously from what you're saying, she has no ego, and so she does it because that's who she is. But how do how do the people that interact with her, as far as the parents, how do they 
how do they thank someone like that? How, how can you express gratitude for saving, saving your child? Well, she's, she has a, a wall in her office. She's, by the way, she's not in Dallas anymore. She's at Nicholas Children's Hospital in Miami now. Mm. But um, she has a wall in her office of things that her patients have sent her over the years, including, mm. including letters. And she got a letter from a, a young woman, in, I think in Costa Rica, who she had operated on when the, when the woman was 17, 18 years old. And the woman said, this is a picture of my baby girl. I just had my first child. I could not have had this child had you not saved my life. Oh, uh, gosh, and, you know, wow. things, things like that. And, you know, that, and that, I mean, imagine being able to get a letter like that and, and, yes. and have that much effect on someone's life. Yes. But when you talk about the, the, the things that she does to do those, to save those lives, she's only five feet tall. <laughs> I love so, it. So when she's at the operating powerhouse. table, yeah, she is. But when she's at the operating table, when she she's working with male surgeons who are six feet tall, the table has to be at a height that the so the males don't have to bend over all the time. Mm-hmm. So she stands on a little stool when she's operating. I've seen her get on that stool at four in the morning to start a heart transplant and not step down from it until seven in the evening. Oh my gosh! No breaks for water. I can't imagine no that. breaks for bathroom. Nothing but that kid's chest with the heart in it. Wow. And that's wow, I mean, now just so you think about standing there for that period of time, let alone cutting the kid open, spreading the ribs apart, cutting the heart out. I mean, you know, it's just stuff that we couldn't do. No. But the, the I'll give you one freaky thing that happens in heart surgery. The first heart transplant I saw with watching her was a 15 year old kid. And when they took his heart out, it was a big diseased enlarged heart. When they take the, the original heart out, they're done with it. Obviously they put it in this little dish and they just put it aside. So I walked around the operating room table to look at it cause I'd never seen a heart up close mm-hmm. and I'm bending over and I'm looking at this thing and it beat. No. And it beat, no. ag- and it beat again. <laughs> and it kept wow. on beating for about 15 minutes. It doesn't want to die. Wow. I had no idea that it would still do that. I mean, I guess it would make sense with the oxygen still in it, which would cause it since it's a muscle, it would have that, that response. But I, I didn't realize that. I jumped about five feet. <laughs> I would have screamed as well. I'm not going to lie, Mark. I'm totally going to call myself out. I would have died. Scared the heck out of me. But it's yes. just, I mean, it, it, she is just, she will tell you, you know, as sure, well, she's said to me many times, she said, you know, your job is, is you're a sportscaster. You go out and you call those games and you do this. She said, my job is I do heart surgery. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. I said, no, it's not the same thing. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> so nobody gets different hurt. outcomes. <laughs> you know, if, if I misidentify a player, he's still going to play. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, she really has the most amazing attitude about, you know, I have this gift, but it's just, it's, it's my talent that I have and I'm going to use it the best I can. Wow, what a such an inspiring woman. When you want, uh, when, when the readers read this, what do you want the biggest takeaway for them to be? Well, there are several. The first is that this is somebody who rose to the top of an extraordinarily male-dominated world. There are about mm-hmm. 350 pediatric heart surgeons in the country. Only nine of them are women. Oh, my God, really? So, wow. So it takes a special person to make that climb. Um. The other would be for young people, especially young girls. If you're thinking of a career in science, you can do it. There's yes. Don't let anybody tell you no. And the third group would be if you've ever watched an episode of Chicago Hope or ER mm-hmm. or any of those yeah. shows. Guess what? In this book, there's not a director to yell cut if something goes wrong. This is real. This is mm. real surgery with real people. And it, it's very it's much more dramatic than what you see on TV. Yes. Wow. And I think, yeah, I think that really bespeaks to so many levels of our emotionality, our, our, our self, our, our, our confidence. So it's going to inspire, inspire us. It's going to motivate us. It's going to really 
help us look at the world perhaps in a different way, maybe even appreciate what we have as far as our ability to, our, our heart just to pump. Yeah. <laughs> Where unfortunately, there's so many people who don't have that. So this, this is definitely going to be great. I'm, I'm definitely inspired myself to hear about this. On the flip side of this, though, are there other stories in there where the outcome was not the way that the parents had hoped? Oh, sure. I mean, you, you have to understand when you, when you go into any kind of surgical career or even any kind of medical career, Mm-hmm. Uh, or even you, you're, you're a psychotherapist, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? You have patients who didn't get as well as you wanted them to get, right? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, sometimes patients die. And I mm-hmm. asked, I, I did ask her, but I said, what, you know, what happens when a patient dies? And she said, well, she hasn't had a patient die on the operating table. She said, that hasn't happened yet. It probably will, but it hasn't happened to sure. her yet. But if, if a patient dies, first of all, you have to learn from it. You have to mm-hmm. figure out why it happened. And you have to figure out, did you do a difficult operation on a very sick person? Did you do a simple operation on a very sick person? Did you do a difficult operation on someone who should not have been operated on, et cetera? There's so many possibilities. But when you learn from it, there's a wonderful story in the book about uh, uh, they had a case, uh, a very young girl came in with something, that, a diagnosis they'd never seen before. Mm. And it was actually misdiagnosed and the girl died. But the parent, oh, the parents allowed the hospital to do an autopsy. And they thought, well, that's, you know, it's great. This is fine, but we'll never see this again. Two months later, they saw exactly the same thing. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, and they saved the kid's life. So, wow. you know, you have you have to be tough, obviously. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I've never had anybody die on me, but uh, you have to you have to be able to learn from it. That's the key. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that we all can relate. We all can relate to just in our normal life. Yes. Learn we, go from through, we go through something difficult or even something that, that we really excelled at. How, what did we learn about ourselves? Yeah. What, what were we really proud of? What worked really well and what didn't work well? And so that we can all relate in that respect that there's always a life lesson in everything we do. Well, and you know, too, from if you're a medical background that they have in hospitals, mm-hmm. they have something called M&M conferences, which is uh, mm-hmm. morbidity and mortality. And yes. every, every week they get together and they discuss the cases that, that took place the week before the successful and unsuccessful and said, all right, what have we learned from all? So it's a big, it's a group thing. It's not just the individuals. Everybody mm-hmm. learns from it. Yeah. You know, you're talking about it being a male dominated specialty. Mm-hmm. Are, are there, does she, does she have ever discuss her own struggles with that since it is a male dominated and how she really rose to the challenge and rose to the top to be one of these top nine doctors in the world to do this? Does she really explain that? Do we get to hear that side of her as well? Yes. Yeah, she, she talked about with her typical, uh, very, dry sense of humor. She said at one point she was in her, I think her residency and a doctor, a surgeon said to her, well, you're not going to be a pediatric heart surgeon. You're just going to go home and have babies. And she said, Oh my God. She said, I I didn't say what I really wanted to say to him, but I just, I just said, I said, I said, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. And then she added, and he was a really lousy surgeon anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) So she, she just, I mean, she's one of those people who you really can't tell. No, she's going to, she's going to do what she wants to do because she knows she can. But, uh, you know, the, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. And I spent, after spending, you know, X number of years in a, in a hospital setting, I will still meet a woman who works at a hospital and I'll think she's a nurse right away. And that's a terribly sexist mm. thing to do. And I'm sorry I do it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it, it, she, she's run through that all her life. And, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's, as we're finding out now, especially recently, it's part of society. Yes. Yeah, it is unfortunate as far as that, that pre or that archaic. Yes. Um, yes. Still. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the actual word. <laughs> I can't even think of it because it's so archaic. Uh, my word would, my word would be stupid. I think. Would be <laughs> yes, there is that. I do love that, especially when you see these people, you know, when the roles are reversed or the gender, if you will, is reversed. 
and what society says should be or what shouldn't be and and to have these people (laughs) just rise above the challenge and be able to just really break that glass ceiling in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. She, well, she's she shattered it. There's no question about it. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she is a, one of the world's preeminent heart surgeons, even though she doesn't like to, to, to have people say that to her. Um, wow. She's, but, you know, you still see stories in the paper about uh, – there was a story a couple of weeks ago about uh, a, 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 an African-American woman who was a surgeon somewhere, and she said she has patients that she's assigned to, and the patients say, I don't want you operating on me. Oh my gosh. I mean, how stupid can you be? Wow. You know, you don't want my Harvard degree. You don't want all my training. Okay, fine. You know, we'll bring in a plumber to operate on you. That's, that's, it's sad. Yeah, that's so sad in so many, so many ways. So she made the transition to Miami. What's, what's next for her over there in Miami? She is putting together uh, the transplant team. They don't have a transplant program at Nicholas Children's Hospital. And uh, she being one of the foremost transplant. Uh, surgeons in the country. She's putting together that program. In fact, oddly enough, this last Sunday was the 50th anniversary of the very first human heart transplant. Oh, wow. In South Africa, Dr. Christian Barnard. And uh, Chris will tell you, Dr. G will tell you, having done almost 200 of them, that it's not only a very commonplace operation now, but it's actually eventually probably going to be phased out because they've become so advanced with tissue engineering that they can fix parts of a damaged heart now without taking it out. Whoa, I had no so, idea. All, all kind, yeah, all kinds of things are happening. It's amazing. But she's basically building a transplant program at the hospital there. Wow, that's amazing. And a little bit of an aside, you know, in the marketing kit you sent me, I saw that she has three little schnauzers, I believe. Yeah. And my listeners know I have a little schnauzer as well. So when as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, she's got to be amazing. <laughs> so that yeah. works out really well. I actually got a, I got a great, I, I, do, I do portrait photography and I took a picture of it that we were going to use for the book cover. And she had, a, she had her one dog with her and the dog stuck its tongue right into her mouth. And I said, this, this is the picture we have to use on the book. And she said, no, not that one. <laughs> that is hysterical. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, Mark Aristano, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today and to really hear this story of this amazing woman, Dr. G. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase this book, Surgeon Story, Inside OR1 with one of America's top pediatric heart surgeons, where will they find this information online? And remember our other motto, if you can't operate in heels, you can't operate. That's perfect. I love that that's tagline. Her, that's, that's her model. Uh, you can get the book at Amazon, at uh, BN.com, all the online places. Pretty soon it'll be in stores. We're changing some of our marketing. But right now, Amazon would be the best place. And uh, we hope you'll get it. And we hope you'll love it. Perfect. So, Mark, what I'm going to do as well is I'm going to put this book, Surgeon Story, on my website as well. So, jamesmillerlifeology.com. If my listeners are not able to find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, simply once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com. And in the storefront there, you will see this book, Surgeon Story, Inside OR1 with one of America's top pediatric heart surgeons. Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. I enjoyed it immensely. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever party you joined with us today. Or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social